stinks. I can't believe I didn't. That was such gold we just put down. It was. was And I didn't record. Just think of this as like take two. Hi, everybody. It's No Show with Matt and Jeff. Matt, remind me again why we're actually doing No Show Goes to the Movies. A year ago, when we started talking about doing a podcast, White Lotus was all the rage. All the kids loved it. And it kind of got us inspired a little bit uh, to do this. I won't say it's that's the reason we did it, but I think we were sort of thinking, wow, we'd never seen anything quite like this. You know, there've been plenty of movies and TV shows that have been based around hotels, motels, the motels, you know, always seem to get the horror end of things. <laughs> like somebody's <laughs> always getting murdered in a motel, but like in hotels, especially uh, fancy rich ones, like in White Lotus, people are having much more esoteric and, and rich people problems. Um, so that, yeah, we, we were thinking, you know, it's right. summer, everybody's going to see summer movies, binge watching TV shows. Let's do a little dive into uh, how hotels are depicted uh, in the movies and on right. screen. So just to kind of kick things off here, if there is a fictional hotel out there uh, that you would want to stay at, what would that hotel be? It could be a place that's real, that's been depicted in a movie, or it could be something that's entirely fictional. Where would you like to spend a weekend? Heather and I took that approach. Where would you stay? We were traveling in the Middle East and uh, in the desert of Wadi Rum, which is a desert that crosses through Jordan and into Saudi Arabia. And we stayed in a a hotel uh, that was a series of moon pods, right? These hard, plasticky, clear, and uh, like these bubbles. And if I'm not doing a good job painting a picture of all the scenes from The Martian. Uh, it's because they built it for that. They they filmed the entire movie in Wadi Rum. It's this amazing, red, sunburnt, hotter than hell Martian landscape. It's exactly as you would imagine being on Mars. Or actually in Texas right now, since it's about 118 degrees here. But we actually followed that kind of line of thinking. And we were thinking, we really want to go to this place. How do you experience that place? that is so uh, Martian in its landscape will do it like you would if you were traveling in space. What were the rooms like? Uh, they were tent-like, uh, but they were luxury tents. Sorry, I don't want to make it sound any rougher. It was gorgeous, but they were small. It was like staying in a, you know, imagine being inside of an igloo, except it's hotter than hell. God, that sounds great. How much was this a night? <laughs> uh, well, Jordan's very affordable. The getting to and from, not so much. I don't remember the price, but it was very accessible. If I had to stay in a fictional hotel, I would stay in the Grand Budapest, uh, Wes Anderson's. Uh, uh, That's a real con- hotel. Confectionery creation. No, it's fictional. Huh. I'm going. I'm going the fiction route, even it's though that fiction. that hotel was based on uh, a bunch of different hotels in Europe, including I think a couple in the Czech Republic, uh, and one specifically in Germany, where where they did most of the filming. But I would not stay in the 1930s version of it, the Ray Fine kind of version where most of the movie takes place. I would stay in the version that they have up at the top of the movie. It's uh, it's uh, Jude Law and F. Murray Abram. And they are uh, in a version of the hotel that's like 50 years later, 40 years later. I think it's like the late 60s. So it's the height of kind of Eastern Bloc a luxury hotel, like something that you'd find uh, like like on the Black Sea. And it very much has kind of a, a little down at heel, uh, you know, late 60s vibe to it. It hasn't been quite as maintained. It's not this kind of high luxury that it was uh, back, in the, back in, the, in the old days. 
But I love the way that the set designers dress that place. And I'm such a sucker for kind of mid-century, late mid-century uh, utilitarian uh, type spaces. And they have a wealth of those in, in, uh, in the, those kind of precursor scenes. So I'd love to stay there. And I, and I have to admit, I mean, you don't want to get attacked or, you know, haunted by ghosts, but the Overlook makes a strong case to stay for a weekend. Like if you could stay safely and everything's fine and you're not just going nuts with a, with an ax in it, I think just being in the Overlook space, I'm kind of surprised that somebody hasn't tried to recreate that space and and sell it as like a theme hotel uh, because the you know the influences that came in on that hotel were so distinctive. You know they filmed some of the exteriors at the Timberline, which is a very beautiful lodge in Oregon, about an hour outside of Portland. Uh, the interior does not look at all like the interior of the Overlook, but the, they they filmed a lot of the outside scenes there. They built mo- like all the bar scenes and like interior scenes. That was stuff that was constructed. Kubrick had that stuff constructed from scratch. So even when Jack is going into the kind of the famous bar scene in the big theater kind of area of the hotel. That is all internal. They did not go on location to shoot that at all. But but then a big inspiration for that place is the Stanley Hotel, which uh, is in Estes Park, Colorado, which been to also very beautiful. You can go and check into the room that he apparently wrote it in. You know, you kind of have to get on a little wait list to do that. But is it true that The Shining was the only film Kubrick made outside of the UK? Hmm. I need to go research that. That's entirely possible. I'm trying to think where Full Metal Jacket was no, filmed. Uh, all, all in, I'm pretty sure that was all in the UK. But uh, listen, I'm not the film buff. I didn't understand half the things you just said. I'm learning as we go here. Wait a minute. Full Metal Jacket was filmed entirely in the UK. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> so, so all the Vietnam scenes. <laughs> that's, I think that's right. Is that's some true. pine tree backlot. That's right. Wow. See, you can learn things on this podcast. <laughs> or I could just be making shit up as we go. I'm going to find <laughs> out. I don't know. Well, getting back to, to White Lotus. So White Lotus had this very distinctive view of what luxury is in a hotel. What is something, you know, as, as we're kind of going back and watching it, and then as we were sort of thinking about uh, other kind of hotel-centric movies, I want to ask you what you thought is something that all of those things get wrong universally what is something that none of these guys ever depict as reality hotel management's desire to be involved in the personal lives of their guests it seems to be a core central part of any film that involves the hotel and i don't know a single manager who wants anything to do with the guests once they check out you know i mean it's probably real heresy to say this kind of thing out loud because it's you know it's their jobs to make you know guests feel like you care about every aspect of their lives when in fact you know one of the better luxury brands describes in its onboarding as being on stage you're like an actor so no i mean a hotel you know if we go to white lotus the involvement that the staff had with those guests entirely fictitious you could no one would ever want to do it but one thing that i thought was really interesting and the opposite. It was very true. I've never seen this pulled into a film and it's a, a reality for upper management and hotels, especially general manager, hotel manager was the main character from the hotel perspective. Uh, was his name Arnaud? Something similar to that. And uh, his role, uh, he was actually in charge of the hotel while his boss, the general manager was away at a conference. Uh, he is under a lot of pressure from the owner. 
if you remember, he would get calls from ownership and he had something to achieve or his head was really on the chopping block. And I thought that was kind of a very real, very interesting part to add to that film was that here's this guy unwinding. Part of it was that he was about to get fired if he didn't deal with this and along come an absolute hurricane of problems while he's in charge for the first time. It actually reminded me of one of my favorite hotel movies. Do you remember in the mid-90s, a Tarantino film, Four Rooms? Sure. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. That's right. Tim Roth is a bellhop who checks. It was filmed at one of the best hotels in the world uh, in L.A. at the Chateau Marmont. And the idea that the bellman is in charge of the Chateau Marmont on his first day of work and it's New Year's Eve. I mean, the, the absurdity of that. But the things that happen that night. I don't doubt that any of those individually are real hotel stories. I've always wondered why we haven't seen the Chateau Marmot pitch. I'm sure there has been one, uh, you know, like a seventies, here's the hotel staff, We've right? Got all, you know, the Rolling Stones are coming in. Lauren Michaels is going to come in for a meeting. I feel like that would be such ripe territory to have like a, like a period set piece on a hotel. The one I've always felt that way about is just down the street in LA, the Andas. Right, with John Bonham throwing TVs out the window, or actually, I think it was Keith Moon. It was some crazy Brit drummer either way. But the parties that went on at the Andas are legendary. So let's go back a few episodes. If you're given a billion dollars and you could buy a hotel instead of the question you and I went through, where would you build? If you'd buy a hotel. I'd put the Andas on my list because that hotel needs a total refurbishment to be what it was. And once you could restore it, I can't imagine a more popular hotel in pop culture and rock and roll history than Andaz, Los Angeles. I love that. I love the idea of like the LA hotel scene. I think it'd be a fun way to tell stories. The problem is you'd have it get turned into like uh, what they tried to do a few years ago with vinyl, that Bobby Cannavale show about like a record label where it's got to be the most 70s thing you've ever seen on TV. What do you think is the most accurate representation of a hotel? You know, a, a hotel is supposed to be a backdrop, not the lead role. I can't think of a film where the hotel was the center feature and it was not wildly exaggerated. Like you just said, you would have to. The, the hotel's meant to be the peaceful backdrop that makes everything work. You know, a movie that does this really well is Lost in Translation, which is set at the Park Hyatt Tokyo. Right. Uh, very famous building, famous architect. One I of my favorite that- hotels in the world. I think that movie depicts kind of international travel, international luxury travel in a super accurate way. The designers were super potato. They are my favorite, absolute favorite. I've said for uh, many years, if I was building my own place, I would fly the architect to Seoul to stay at the Park Hyatt Seoul. Same designer, put them in the presidential suite and have them absorb every great idea that super potato ever put into that building. (laughs) It's stunning. Another, you know, uh, maybe the most famous movie hotel is the Plaza Hotel, which I've only been in the lobby. I've never stayed. I've never been to the Oak Room or uh, any of the restaurant options there. Have you ever stayed at the Plaza? I've been many times, never stayed. Most of the hotel is now condo, actually. Audiences of a certain age will not recognize it from Neil Simon's Plaza Suite starring Walter Matthau, but they will absolutely recognize it uh, as the setting for Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, where Kevin McAllister has many shenanigans uh, with the hotel staff, including the owner at the time. Donald Trump famously shows up in that movie uh, to kind of give advice to Kevin as he's out, you know, 
torturing and potentially murdering these thieves who found him again. <laughs> he's he's headed out on his merry Christmas spree of bludgeoning uh, Joe Pesci. Wasn't there a movement during the Trump presidency to have that movie canceled yes. or something just because of Trump's presence in there? There absolutely was. <laughs> it, um, it The first film that it was in was North by Northwest. You'd figure it, it was so famous that would have shown up in something, you know, the 30s and 40s, some kind of screwball comedy starring Cary Grant. But no, it ends up being in another Cary Grant vehicle, North by Northwest, 1957. It's been in everything since, you know, The Great Gatsby and American Hustle and all kinds of stuff. There are plenty of movies that are kind of sneaky hotel movies that you don't quite realize. You know, and one of those is John Wick. All the John Wick movies, you know, are... are kind of sense memory of them. They all kind of run together a little bit, but a ton of those movies take place in that hotel, right? That's right. Uh, The continental, a fictitious hotel at that. A totally fictitious hotel, though the building is real for anybody who visits and kind of wants to do a little kind of film tour of New York. I think it's one wall street court. It's kind of down Fidei district, the building really distinctive kind of flat iron like building down there. That's, that's super cool. I actually thought it was at the Flatiron. They just used the facade of the Flatiron for it. Me too. I think when I first saw it, I thought that. But no, it's uh, it's got and it's got that kind of older feel. I mean, the Flatiron's old building, obviously, but the this one feels almost European when you're when you're down in the financial district. I think that that hotel functions in a really interesting way, you know, because as as um, outrageous as the premise is that it, here's this hotel for assassins, right. It, it is pretty, it's, there, there's some truths in there, right? I, you know what? It's the opposite. And I love that. Uh, I love the juxtaposition where the hotel is where the assassins go for law, right? right? Out there is lawless. You can get away with anything. But inside, you can come by your weapons, tell each other how you're going to kill each other. But you're going to do it in a very civilized manner. I love that, uh, the role of the hotel and the manager of the hotel play in that. It's the opposite of what hotel per, hotels really serve in life, right? Where people tend to go into hotels and then forget how to be civilized humans. Right? The things people do when they go into a hotel, especially when you're traveling by people who travel by themselves, it's almost like the hotel gives them an opportunity to be someone else while they're there. Unaccountable. You take the you take the opportunity to go in. Nobody knows your name. You can be who you want for a night. John Wick is actually the opposite. Right? You go in there and it's like, okay, we're really just going to be ourselves. We assassins. I think the interior was filmed at the Delmonico right around in lower Manhattan. Also. I think you're right. Yep. There are all kinds of sneaky hotel movies and TV shows, like things that we don't process as being centered around a hotel, but they absolutely are. Schitt's Creek, you can absolutely make the case. Like they live in the hotel. Like, well, it's not really a hotel, it's a motel. The, all, you know, all the hangover movies, Barton Fink. And once uh, you, you know, get into Coen Brother territory, Barton Fink, a lot of that takes place at a hotel. No country for old men. I have a, a personal experience with the hangover too, actually. How so? It, it was So it was filmed uh, on location in Bangkok. And then the wedding scenes were filmed uh, at the Ritz-Carlton Poulet Bay in Thailand. 
uh, which was at the time filming, it was one of the hotels I was managing. Uh, we weren't allowed to talk about that, but I don't work for Ritz Carlton anymore. So let's podcast away. Uh, Ritz Carlton didn't, and understandably so, brand people did not want you know, the lion and crown associated with the debauchery of Hangover 2. As much as I tried to suggest uh, that we rename and sell at a premium the Bradley Cooper suite, I knew we could make three times the money if I could just market it that way, but I wasn't allowed to. For sure. I'm surprised they didn't embrace that either. The peer of mine at the time, uh, she did, be sure, she did make sure that the general manager, when we went to visit the hotel, put her in the Bradley Cooper suite, right? That happened. One of your favorite depictions of hotels dare I say, is inventing Anna. Is that right? Right. And, you know, actually, the one thing that really stood out as true in that to me was uh, when she first arrived at that hotel, was it called the George or the St. George? I'm not sure. When she first arrived at that hotel and the bellman walked past the concierge who ended up fictitiously getting very involved in Anna's life. Actually, that might have been true. Uh, But when she walks by and the bellman goes, uh, slinging Benjamins, right? I don't know if that's the exact words he used, but that is right. You step out of a car and you start dropping hundos, everybody in that building is going to start taking great care of you. You want a seat at the table? You got it. You want to skip the line to get to the concierge? You got it. You throw enough hundreds around a hotel, I don't care what the integrity is, you're getting better service. It's funny you were asking, you know, we're talking about where things are filmed. Uh, and Dirty Dancing being you know, somebody, I lived in Virginia for most of the last 25 years. Uh, and I think there are about five places that all claim to be where it was filmed. Totally. <laughs> I don't know if that any of that's true. Um, North Carolina, where, same thing. North Carolina, they have, a, I think, a bunch of places. They're like, oh, yeah. If they didn't film it there, they were the, absolutely the inspiration for it. Even though the, <laughs> right. the movie takes place in the Catskills. Right. I, I think I've personally been to three weddings that supposedly took place where Dirty Dancing was filmed. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> I wonder how much depictions of hotels actually drive business traffic. Mm. Like, like once it hit, once White Lotus hit, I wonder, did you have a ton of people? I mean, I I know it's an exclusive hotel, so they're not struggling to get business, but I wonder if their inbound traffic went up. So I I think the example that I gave of the Ritz Carlton reserve in Poulet Bay with the hangover Two. Uh, a brand like Four Seasons, and especially an iconic hotel like Four Seasons Maui that needs no help, right? That hotel could never spend a dollar in marketing. They don't need to. It's unbelievable. They probably don't want the association with something like White Lotus. Uh, so I would doubt that would happen. But I will give you an example. Uh, Ozark, despite being about uh, you know well-armed rednecks fighting with drug cartels and uh, a deceptive group of urbanites, Ooh, right? You're speaking my language. All, all the reasons you would not go someplace, uh, demand for the Ozarks has skyrocketed. Really? Yes. Now, it's hard to tease that out from the natural shift in travel during the pandemic because you know, Ozark was pretty much at a peak, or at least the travel that would come from the extra interest in the Ozarks overlapped with a time when people also stopped uh, traveling internationally. And so, so many domestic trips were made by Americans and also into uh, locations over the last two years that were not urban, right? People wanted to 
get out more into the lake house uh, social distance and being separated and being out in nature, right? That kind of thing. National parks have never been more popular, at least not for 50 years. Uh, so I think it's kind of hard to tease out uh, the lift in demand at the Ozarks for, you know, say that was specifically dedicated to the TV show. And that was probably a result of pandemic, but between the two, and I give the film a ton of credit, Ozarks, you can't find a room. All the years that you work the desk at the hotel. Yes. Who's the most famous person who checked in? Uh, that I personally checked in. Yeah, you could be like around, like you uh, could be kind of behind the desk. So one of my favorite films, uh, and this, the story takes place. I was working the front desk. I will not name the hotel. That way you can actually publish this thing. I was working the front desk and this was, let's call it 98 or 99. It was one of those two years. And I loved the movie Tombstone and Kurt Russell came to town uh, because Goldie Hawn was filming. And so as she was going off to work every day, Kurt was bored out of his mind and Kurt would, Kurt would come by the front desk and just throw, you know, throw an arm on the desk and just chat. And so we, you know, for hours at a time, hanging out with Kurt Russell, well, I wasn't getting hardly any work at all done. And it was the best because nobody in the hotel was going to say, hey, stop talking to him and get working ever, right? So I hung out with him for hours. It was great. The most famous person I ever met in a hotel was Lee Majors. <laughs> okay. The $6 million man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he and I shared a uh, uh, elevator and I was there for a conference, I think. And uh, we were in South Carolina. Yeah, we're in Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, the whole uh, hotel was a buzz. This was the 90s. It was a buzz. Oh, Lee Majors is here. <laughs> so I get in. He comes in. He has a companion with him. And uh, he just comes in. And he goes, how's it going? It's like, oh, wow, really good. It's like, what's going on out there? And I say, well, it's mainly people talking about you. And he goes, yeah, about right. And then he takes <laughs> off. <laughs> Thank you, Lee Majors. <laughs> 